Yeah, it's so good to see you guys. I am so stoked for a few reasons. Yesterday we uh, we had that 5K uh, down the hill with uh, together in his arms, the ministry that uh, we um, got involved with um, because of some families here who got involved with them after losing their son, and um, then they've been kind of getting the ministry together up here, blessed while while broken. And uh, there was so much support yesterday. It was amazing. I was just so blessed as being, some of you guys went down there, some of you guys participated in it. I was being called a little girl because I didn't. Um, <laughs> my foot has been hurting. It really has. I'm not making excuses because I could run. I could run. I know I don't look like that, but I could run. And, um, and I didn't want to re-injure it. Okay, and so I I didn't run, and they're saying, well, you could have walked, you little girl. And it's like, even that, I didn't want to hurt it. But, again, I was there for moral support, and they did have some food trucks there. And I didn't have any problem walking to those, you know what I'm saying? But, um, and this was what was kind of funny, because some people ran it, some people walked it. My daughter, if you guys know my daughter, Deanna, she is a runner, right? And so, so I get this, I'm going to the second food truck, um, and Deanna comes walking across the, the uh, field there, and I turn around and go, what's the matter, honey? She goes, oh, I'm done. I'm going, you're done? It's like 18 minutes she's done with this 5K, right? And I'm like, I haven't even gotten to my second food truck yet. Come on. How could you be done right now? But the whole thing, the whole thing, there were so many people there, and and it was a blessing, and the lady that, you know, and her husband that are running it, they're, they're, you know, just ecstatic that we had so many people there, but at the same time, and this is what just got me, she says, we've grown, but the sad part is because we've lost more people. Oh, and it's like, yes, you're right, you know, but the support that was there is what blew me away of how many people, I mean, even from the high desert that was down there, our church, you know, I was just kind of like, oh, man, God, this is amazing. And so it was just a, quite a, a neat time just to be with the families there and just support them and just encourage them. And so just continue to pray for our church and the people that are going through it in our church, you know, because God's using it regardless. And uh, it was just an amazing, amazing time. And, um, man, I'm also stoked about the baptism we're having at the end of the month. If you haven't got baptized yet, I mean, let's get ready for this. And we're going to have just a fellowship time afterwards. And so I just want to invite you guys to come out and, and be a part of that. And uh, anyway, I'm just stoked. I'm stoked about getting ready to teach this thing. I was excited for service. I'm just as excited right now. And so let's pray so I can calm down a little bit. <laughs> so I don't get ahead of myself as I share here, okay? Father, we are just stoked, Lord God, for all that you do in our lives, Lord. Even through the hard times, Lord God, and the support that comes and your spirit that comes and just ministers in a powerful way, Lord God. This morning, prepare our hearts, Lord. Just prepare our hearts to hear from your, your word, Lord, what you have. Lord, help me to deliver this message with boldness. Helping me, Lord God, to convey it with clarity as well but that the ears of my brothers and sisters, Lord, and those who are here, Lord God, would be just ready to receive what you have for them. And we're in awe, Lord God, for your word and for the promises that you give us through your word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, even though we finished Hebrews chapter 11 last week, after being in it for such a long time, it seemed like, I know for some of you guys it might have seemed like that, for, for me it was just exciting being in it. We had like six studies through that chapter, the chapter of faith. Now, just because we are done with that chapter about faith, we are not done talking about faith or the life of faith, because that continues, it continues in the book and it continues in our lives each and every day. And if anything, now that we are done with the chapter of faith, now we get to the crux of, the, of, of faith. Now we get to the root of, of faith. Now we get down to the nitty-gritty of faith. That's what I'm talking about right there. Now we're, you know, because the writer had, had spent so much time talking or, or, or encouraging 
the readers with, um, with others who have gone before us in faith. Um, he, 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 he talked about these Old Testament saints that have gone through it already. But all those Old Testament saints, they all, even though they, they, they died, they died waiting for the promise that was afar off, as we read in, in, in the last chapter. They all died with that promise of the faith, in faith, but of, of the promise that was to come. They, they died in that promise. But one thing about them, and it showed us in, cha- in verse 13 of that chapter, it says that they were assured of them. They were assured of those promises. They, they, it says that they, they embraced those promises as though they had them already, never having the promise. They, 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 they were assured and they embraced it as if they had it. That was their faith. That's how, that's how they just clung on to what was in front of them, although they never reached it. And it says that they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth because they were waiting for something better in their life. And so he, the, the, the writer has been encouraging the readers of this letter that, that even though their lives... The, the time that they had right there as, as we're reading about them, they were being pressured. They were being persecuted, the, these, these readers. They, they were being pressured to go back to waiting. That's what these guys, the, 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 the religious leaders, the, the, the religious people of the day, They were still looking for the promises of far off, but He had already come. The promise had already come. And these believers were already experiencing it, but they were being pressured to go back to waiting. The the religious leaders and the, the, the religious people, they could not believe that Jesus could be that long awaited Messiah that they had been waiting for. Because they were still under Roman rule. They thought that because, or when Messiah comes, that they would be freed from the Romans. They were waiting for something physical, and yet Jesus had come to do something on the spiritual level. So it was hard for them to comprehend this. They were still waiting. And, and, and these believers, these young believers, who the writer is writing to, had already received Jesus by faith. They had accepted it by faith. They had received what everybody else was waiting for. They, they, they already had it by faith. And they were living the promise that had come with that. But the pressures that they were under, the, the persecution that was coming against them was getting the best of them. They, 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 they were kind of falling for it. They were kind of getting weary because of the pressure. And so this letter of Hebrews was written to them in a very timely manner for them. It, it, it hit them right where they needed to be. And they needed to hear the encouragement that is in this letter. Hey, continue on. They, they, they needed to hear the warnings that, that are in this letter. We've covered four of those warnings. And, and in this chapter, not today, but in another time, I don't know when, but soon, in the near future, we will get to that fifth warning. There's five warnings. So he didn't hold back by just, oh, let me just comfort you. No, he's going to warn them, and he has warned them of what they were supposed to be doing. And so what we saw in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and I think this is what the writer wanted to cover, was in that chapter, he wanted to give them a plethora, an overabundance of, 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 of examples of people that had gone before them. People that had endured faith already. And so he's writing to encourage them, look at all the people that have gone before us here, guys. Not having what these readers had already received, 
they hung in there in faith, these, these Old Testament saints. And the encouragement was the Old Testament saints were waiting for what you have now. That's what they were waiting for. Don't get pressured on going backwards is what he's encouraging them to do. Don't, don't, don't lose heart by those who are spiritually, spiritually blinded because your spiritual eyes have been opened. Don't get pressured by them. Don't get your eyes off of what you now see, Jesus. Looking unto Jesus is what he's encouraging them with. So chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, we'll just cover two verses this morning. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Ooh. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like, okay, plain and simple, man. We could just stop right there, right? No. I'm not going to let you off this easy. Because it says a lot there. It, 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 again, the challenge is there for us. The encouragement is there. He says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us lay those things aside and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As, as the writer moves from the thoughts or the thought of those he had mentioned in the previous chapter to, to, to continue in faith, to continue with the subject of faith, he includes himself here. Being in the same boat with the readers, when he says, therefore we also. On account of what I have been sharing with you, we are in this whole thing together. And I like that about this writer. I like it because he is not pointing at them saying, you, get a grip, come on. You should have mastered this already. You should have this all together already in walking in faith, shouldn't you? He's not doing that. He's not pointing fingers at them. He uses the word we instead. He puts himself in that same place of having to walk in faith, even though he's talked about faith. You would think it's like, oh, you must have it down. It's like, no, I don't. He's saying, we must therefore also, because we have all these witnesses around us, we should continue in it. And I'm sure that, that even with this encouragement that he's giving to them, it's quite possible that the writer himself remembered, even as he, as he wrote about all these Old Testament saints, he, he, he remembered himself how he needed to hear that as well. He, he puts himself right where he, what he's writing to. He puts himself in that same situation that we therefore need to remember these things. It's almost like as he's writing, he had to remind himself of those guys he wrote about. He says, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now as a writer uses some athletic terms here, because it, it almost sounds like these believers were in this arena, this stadium, and they are the players. They are the ones on the field. And you have this whole cloud of witnesses watching in this arena, in this, in this stadium, and that's not the case at all. It sounds like that, but that's not the case at all. The fact of the matter is that all those who have made it to heaven are not concerned with what's going on here on earth. They have no concern about what happens here on earth now. 
They are not in this arena watching us to, to see what happens next. That, that's just not what they're doing. They, they are not spectators on earth or, or, or in heaven. They are actively looking unto Jesus in person. That's who the people have gone before us, our loved ones. That's where they're at. They're not concerned about you and I down here. That might bring them sadness, and there is no sadness in heaven in His presence. They have no time for that because they're worshiping the God of heaven. They are in His presence. And I know that sometimes we, we try to comfort ourselves with like, oh, well, they're always looking down upon us. And it's like, and I understand that, guys. Don't get me wrong. We, we find comfort in that. And I was talking to a family in between services. It's like, yeah, I know. I, I do the same thing. I don't know exactly how it works, but I do know what the Scriptures say in Revelation 5, 4 and 5, that, that they, they worship day and night in heaven and they never stop. And so we can be in spirit with them in that sense that we are worshiping, but I don't think they're concerned themselves with us here. They are among that cloud of witnesses up there. And that word cloud carries with it the idea of assembly or mass. And the word witness does not mean spectators. The word witness in the Greek means or, or, or it means, or it's martis. And that's where we get our word martyr from. That's what the word witness means. And so in essence, what he is saying is that we, we, we have this assembly of martyrs who bear testimony of the truth. That's who they are, day and night. They bear testimony of the truth because they see truth right in front of them now. They know all truth because they, they are there. Those who have gone before us and who have overcome, that's where they're, they're at. And it's almost as if the writer has called these Old Testament saints to the witness stand to testify, to, to bear testimony or bear witness of what they have seen, heard, and felt as to what faith could do and did do in their lives. And so they are there for our encouragement that we can read about them. And this was meant to encourage those Hebrew believers that they too could and should be able to go through what, with whatever was coming against them because of the Old Testament saints, because of what they dealt with, because of what they, they went through themselves. Because the Old Testament saints would say it was all worth it. It was well worth it. Even if it cost them their lives. Those are the ones that, that this writer has already said in the previous chapter that the world was not worthy of them. And now those who are there, we or like the, the readers of that day, and we today can associate with that cloud of witness. That's who we are associated with, those who have gone before us. Those who are testifying of the truth this very moment in heaven. The encouragement was that we can learn from them. And now, all, all the more that we have what they were waiting for. That's the encouragement here. They, those who have gone before us, have set the example of patience and endurance. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort, of the Scriptures, might have hope. Everything that was written in the Old Testament was written so that we can learn from them. They are therefore our example. The pressures and the, the persecutions that, that, that were coming against these believers that we're reading about here, that this letter is, is towards, it was encouraging them to continue moving forward. 
You see, the, the persecution and the doubt or, or the, the, the pressures were causing doubt in these believers. It was hindering them in their growth. It had become a weight in their life. But they had overcome already. Those, those, those Old Testament saints had overcome and he's trying to encourage them, come on, you can overcome as well. But they were carrying this thing on their li- in their lives that was holding them back. They were carrying these, these believers that we read about here in Hebrews, they were carrying unnecessary weight. They were overburdened with these pressures and it had become sin in their life. And they found themselves bogged down. Instead of progressing, they were, towards maturity, they were regressing to where they had come from. They had become free already. These people that, 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 that accepted Jesus by faith had, were free from the religion that they were caught up in. They had already started this race and yet they lost sight of the finish line, Jesus. Because of the weight that was upon them. It it was dragging them backwards instead of progressing forward. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Some runners... When they, are, when they train, they put on some weights for training. One of the guys there, Jeremiah, when he was training and stuff, he went and bought himself a, a weight vest. <laughs> so it can weigh him down a little bit. I said, bro, you don't have to do that, man. You just got to get one of these. <laughs> That's enough weight. It'll get you in training. It'll get you motivated to, to get out there. You don't have to invest in those things. Just invest in some good food. <laughs> but how foolish would it be for, for people that buy those kinds of weights or, or put on weights on their, on their legs or whatever to weigh them down for training or, or you, maybe you've seen these, these people who, 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 who tie this like harness on them with a rope and there's a big old like tire back there and they're running. It's like, oh, geez, they're like struggling. It's like, dude, you got like a tire behind you. <laughs> but how foolish would it be to enter into the race, a real race, a guy with this, this whole harness thing with this rope and this tire is like, hey guys, what's up? And he just drops it and he gets ready to race. Can you imagine the commentator on TV going, hey, uh, if you're putting any money, <laughs> don't bet on that guy. Because that weight will slow him down. That weight is only there for practice to prepare himself. It would be foolish of him to do that at the starting blocks. When we see runners, for the most part, (laughs) they are trying to wear the least and, 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 and most lightest clothing if they're going to be in competition, if they really want to win. They're going to, they're going to try to strip down and, and wear the lightest they possibly can. Even the shoes that they make nowadays for, for like rural runners, they're like down to ounces. You know, they want it so light. The material, everything aerodynamic because you don't want nothing hindering you as you're like running. And it's interesting because back in the day there, these readers could have understand this whole laying aside every weight far better than we could because in the Greek games back there, people would run naked. Awkward, but naked. <laughs> they would lay aside every weight. Everything. It's almost like, I don't want to be a runner. That's just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know. It just—I'm glad they don't do it nowadays. That would be really like weird. But they, these readers—they understood what that meant to lay aside every weight. They didn't want nothing hindering them, slowing them down to where they stripped down to nothing. 
The Christian life is not a practice session. You are not in this for practicing. (laughs) You are in the game. You are in the race. And yet, sometimes we get into this race and we are bogged down with all this weight. It's like, really? You're not going to progress (laughs) because you have all this weight on you. You need to strip down to nothing, spiritually speaking. (laughs) We're not training here, guys. We're in the race. We're not spectators. We're actively in the race. And it is oftentimes when we get in the race that we realize what begins to slow us down. And sometimes before you're a Christian, you don't know all these things that you've been carrying until your eyes are open and you're going, why am I carrying this? It slows me down, but we continue to carry it. And we walk with it and God's going, hey, why don't you drop that weight? Yeah, I've had it for a long time. I don't know if I I can let you have it. He's going, no, let me take care of it. Let, Let go of every weight that you have so that you can progress. This is what he's trying to get across here. That you're in the game. And you need to, 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 to allow Him to take these things away. If you can see Him, and He's telling you, this is holding you back. This is hindering you from progressing onto maturity. That's what He's encouraging them. These weights that encumber us, <laughs> that weigh us down, are not always the bad and ugly things that we might be thinking of even right now. Because we often think, oh, these things slow me down. Oh yeah, the things that I'm doing that are naughty, that are wrong, that are illegal or bad or whatever. You know, we start thinking of those things. Oh yeah, those are weights. And I want to share with you that it's not always those kinds of vices, although they are going to weigh you down, but sometimes it's those good and innocent things in our lives as well that become a weight in our life. They're not bad per se, and other people, it's like, well, it's not wrong to do that. I'm talking about our families even. When we put our spouse before the Lord, when we put our children before the Lord, and all of a sudden, they become more important than Jesus. That becomes a weight. Our jobs, (laughs) we need them. But sometimes those things become so important that it becomes a weight in our progress towards maturity. Sports and hobbies and all these kinds of things are not bad per se, but when we put those on and they're weighing us down and they're hindering us from walking with Jesus, they become sin in our life as well. And we need those things. But we need to be careful that we don't allow them to become weights in our lives. And the way that we do that is by, by focusing on Jesus. And all those things have to fall apart. He allows us to have these things in our lives. Don't get me wrong. But we cannot allow anything that would weigh us down, good or bad. The sin that so easily ensnares us, he, he doesn't mention what that sin is. But more than likely, it's possible that it could have been the unbelief that these people were in. It had become a sin for them. Doubting. They were doubting. They were battling with these things. It had become sin. They were being pressured by them. And when we look at all this, we see that, man, Jesus has done it all. He he has made it possible for us to run this race. But He didn't make us get into the race. We chose it. And when we choose to follow after Jesus, we are in the race. We're no longer spectators. Now, I, I, I'm not going to get into the whole sovereignty of God, of, of when He chose us or, or whatever. We, we make a decision to say, I want Jesus, somehow. And we enter in, and we no longer become spectators. So the writer makes it sound like, as we're looking at this, when he says, let us lay aside these things. Let us run with endurance. He he almost makes it sound that we, as believers, must take action in doing what we must to lay aside what we must. 
so that we're not hindered. There's things in our lives that we have to just put off so that we can run this race and, and have Jesus as our focus. Setting everything aside because these Old Testament saints endured what they endured to finish this race. The readers are being encouraged to run the race with endurance. Don't give up. Don't give up. No matter what comes our way, no matter the weights that are upon us, don't give up. There's a race that has been set before us that God wants us in. And we are in it. Let's finish it with endurance. It is possible, or how possible would it have been if they, those Old Testament saints, were loaded down with weights? Could they have finished? No, many of them, they let aside everything. No matter what people were saying, no matter what the pressures were, they were able to keep their eyes on Jesus and focus and continue to move forward. How far would they have gotten if they would have let these pressures come upon them and hold them back? And these are the things that we as believers need to examine in our lives daily. What is it that is holding me back, Jesus, from following after you, from keeping focus on you? What is it in my life? Again, there's things that he will, he will say you need to get rid of them. There's other things he says, man, prioritize. Because you keep on putting that in front of me and I'll take it away from you if, you, if that's what you need. It's like, no, I need this. It's like, well, put it in perspective. Don't let it be a weight. Don't let it get in front of what you know you should be doing and that's keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's those things in our personal lives, in our, in our, in our walks, that, that, the way is down that encumber us, that ensnare us. Even the good things sometimes, and as I was telling first service, even ministry can get in the way of, of, of focusing on Jesus. And you think, well, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, it's a good thing, but it can become a weight in our lives that, that, that hinders us from progressing. And we need to run this race. We need to, be, to, 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 to keep enduring continually, steadily, actively persisting to go forward because if we decide to carry something, even if it's good, it will hold us back from progressing. There's looking unto Jesus. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who, the, for, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh my goodness. You know, this is so easy to say. Hey bro, just look unto Jesus. <laughs> you know, when you're going through a hard time and your brother or sister comes up, hey, just look unto Jesus. And I know that some people just don't want to hear it when they're going through it. Because it sounds so simple and life is so complicated at the time. And it's like, how could I look at Jesus when everything is falling down around me? When everything has happened in my life right now, life is complicated. <laughs> and I know that it sounds so cliche-ish to, to, to say that sometimes. Because looking unto Jesus sounds like one of those phrases that as Christians we use all the time. I just got to look unto Jesus. Anything but looking unto Jesus. To get through this race will be a weight and a snare in our life. Anything but. <laughs> we are to look unto Jesus because everything else wants our attention. Everything else wants to get in the way. And if life has gotten way too complicated, I could guarantee you more than likely you have not been looking unto Jesus. Because when you're looking unto Jesus, even if you're, the whole world has just fallen down around you, He will get you through. He, he has to. If we keep our eyes on Him and say, Lord, I don't want these weights, man. I know they're so real and they're, they're sometimes necessary. We feel like they're necessary. It's like, I don't want that, Jesus. I just want you right now. And that's all I need. 
because I can't get through it without you. It sounds so simple because it is. It really is that simple. Look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus because he will get you through when you can't. We had a dear brother in our church just pass away yesterday. And you know, and, and this morning as I'm praying for his wife and I'm going, Lord, just help her to look unto you because she has nothing else right now. She has nothing else this morning as she woke up. To her kids. She has nothing else right now. So help her to look unto Jesus. And at the same time, I'm praying and I'm going, gosh, Lord, our brother Clint, man, he, he, he is like in your presence right now. He is focusing. He is looking unto Jesus in person. I mean, it brings us hope. I know, but man, this family is like hurting right now. And, 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 and the answer is, it's Jesus. He's the only one that will see you through. Because that can become such a weight that it just bogs you down. Jesus is the answer for everything. And I know when we ask like little Sunday school teachers, you know, you ask them a question, it's like, Jesus, it's like, yeah, 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 that's the answer for everything. But they're on to something. <laughs> they are truly on to something, these little kids. Because they oftentimes go like, no, Jesus can handle it. It's like, yeah, you're just a little kid. You don't know how complicated life can get. Let me complicate it for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, it's looking unto Jesus. It's that simple. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I struggle with that at times too when everything is falling down and pressures are there and it's like, oh my gosh, Lord, oh my God. And he's going, what? what, what what's the matter, Zeke? It's like, look at all the stuff at church and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Wait a minute, why don't you just look unto me? Well, I know that, but... Yeah. <laughs> but... And he reminds me time and time again, it's that simple. Just look to me. I will get you through it. I will get you through this. He is the answer for everything because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the answer for everything. Everything in life distracts us. Everything. Good and bad. Everything around us demands our attention. Everything. Everything wants to take our eyes off of Jesus. Even some of the good things. Wants to distract us. Wants to take its place. The word looking means to consider intently to turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something. And in this case, it would be on someone, Jesus. A guy showed me on his phone, I don't know where he got it from, after first service, he says, it said something like, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and then staying there. It's like, just reach that and stay. It's like, yeah, that's what it means. Looking unto Jesus and just stay focused. Life will, 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 will try to grab a hold of you. <laughs> Everything will try to turn you this way or that way. We are to look at Jesus. And, and, and this word, looking unto Jesus, also carries the meaning of to trust to trust Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I'm, I, I was reminded of, of little children, you know, children that, that look to their daddy for, for, for security, who, who look for mama for, for, for cherishing, you know, for, for just kind of like comfort. A, a kid can be struggling, it's like fearful. Sorry, I'm just like spitting all over the place. You know, a little kid is so like, ah, 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 and, and, and sees dad or mom is like, ah, ah, and, and everything else is okay. Everything else is okay. You know, like when you go pick them up at the, in their classes, and they're like, ah, it's like, oh, mom, dad. <laughs> Looking unto mom and dad for a little kid, and everything is okay. Life is good again. 
Nothing can take the place of a dad when you're scared. Or a mom when you need comforting. <laughs> when the children of Israel were dying in the, in, the, in the wilderness because of the rebellion, the fiery serpents were coming around them and they're getting bitten, they're dying. And, and Moses is instructed to, to make a snake a pole with a snake, a bronze snake, and he says, everyone that looks on it will, be, will, will live. And even though they had been bitten by these fiery serpents, if they looked on it, then they could live. Even though people were dying around them because it's like, oh yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, die. <laughs> it's like, no, look at the, I don't want to turn around, look at the Jesus, look up to that thing. That's how important it is for us. Look unto Jesus and live. Look unto Jesus and trust Him for everything. Jesus, when He walked the earth, He looked unto His Father for everything. He didn't do anything apart from His Father, it tells us. He didn't let anything distract Him. <laughs> and everybody wanted His attention. Everything, every, everybody wanted him to go do something. Everything wanted to get in his way. But he didn't let anything get in his way. Even though he was fully God, he, here on earth he was fully man as well. And the fact that he prayed to his father proves to us that he lived by faith here on earth. He trusted him for everything. He didn't make a move without him. <laughs> he was fully dependent on his father. And that's the way we are to live towards Jesus, looking unto Him for everything. As much as the Old Testament saints were examples for us, or to us, the writer would never say, nor will he even dare to say, hey, look unto the Old Testament saints. Look at those guys in the OT. Never would he say that, because they were men just like us. He said, no, looking unto Jesus. That's who they were waiting for. That's who these, these, these writers or these readers here had already believed in, and yet they're being pressured to look at the Old Testament, go back into their religion. And he's saying, no, look unto Jesus. Just continue to look unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher. The word author means the chief leader, source, captain. And it suggests that Jesus pioneered the path of faith that Christians should follow. That's who we follow, not somebody else's faith, but Jesus. He's the prime example of what, what faith looks like. He's the author of it. He's the finisher of our faith. He is the completer, consummator, the, the, the perfecter of our faith. One who has, in his own person, raised faith to its perfection and so set before us the highest example of faith. That comes from Thayer's Greek lexicon. He has perfected it because he's already done it. In other words, Jesus has, has brought faith to maturity. If we just keep our eyes on him, just follow his example. See, Jesus endured far more than any Old Testament saint did. Any of those guys that we, we, we've learned about in chapter 11, he endured far more than they did. Therefore, he's a perfect example. Let us follow him. Let us keep our eyes on him. He endured the cross and all that was involved in it, the shame and the suffering and the opposition from sinners, even the temporary uh, rejection from his father on the cross. He endured it. He suffered for all the world, all the sins of the world. He suffered for that. Yet he had never sinned, but he endured it. He finished the work that his father had given him to do. Now the readers of Hebrew, even though they were suffering and being persecuted, they had not resisted to blood, like it tells us in verse 4 of this chapter. Yet Jesus shed his blood. What was it that he endured on the cross? Again, you need to keep in mind that when Jesus was on the earth, he never used his divine powers, although we see them, he never used them for his own good. 
He never used them personal for his own needs, even though Satan told him, hey, why don't you do this? He never, he never, he never fell for that. It was our Lord's faith that enabled him to, to endure. He kept the eye of faith on the joy that was set before him. He knew that he would come back from the dead. He knew that. He knew that he would defeat death. Still didn't make it any easier going through it, but he knew that. Yet he still went through death. He still carried the sins. And he still endured his, ba- his father turning his back on him. But Psalm 16 prophesies that Jesus, what Jesus would go through. And it also prophesies what the final outcome would be. Fullness of joy. I want to read to you Psalm 16 verses 8 through 11. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, Psalm 16, David says it speaks of fullness of joy. It was prophesied of what would happen to him. Psalm 110 says in verse 1 and then in verse 4, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. And the Lord swore and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He knew what would come come out of this whole thing. He knew who He was. He knew that He would be exalted to heaven in glory. He knew that. And so the joy that was set before Him included completing the work that the Father had set out for Him. It, it, it included the resurrection and the exaltation. But His joy also was you and I. He saw into the future. He saw the relationship that you and I can have with Him. And so that was joy for Him. We are that joy. We are that reason that He went to the cross. And He was able to endure all of it because of the joy that He would have with you and I. Isn't that amazing? And that's why we look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. He has it all. He is our everything. We are nothing without Him. We have nothing. And we are nothing without Him. I'd like to read to you as we close up right here the, these two chapters, or I mean these two chapters, these two verses in the Amplified. I know not everybody has the Amplified unless you have like a little iPad and go, oh yeah, right here, boom. Uh, but anyway, see if you can follow along in these two verses. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have bore testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith. Giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher. Bringing it to maturity and perfection. He for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and in ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Man, that is awesome. That's who we have, guys. He is our author. He is our finisher of our faith. That's who we look to when the world wants to distract us with everything, when even our own flesh wants to distract us from everything. Everything wants your attention, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Amen? Let's stand as we close in prayer. And 
you know, as we close in prayer, I just want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, man, don't give up. It's not time to give up. There is no time to give up. <laughs> we need to continue to endure. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we once again want to bless you and thank you for your power, for your word that shows us, Lord God, what faith looks like. The fact that you have given us Jesus as an example of our faith. The fact that we can look to him for everything, Lord, because everything distracts, Lord, in our life. Help us to look unto Jesus day in and day out, Lord. Moment by moment, Lord, as those thoughts, as those things, those situations, those the circumstances want to creep in, Lord, help us to look to you and you will get us through those things. Jesus, I just want to pray right now, God, that you would strengthen my brothers and sisters even as they leave this place, Lord. Give them strength. Father, I also want to pray right now for those who might be here right now who don't know you, Lord, who have never committed their lives to you, that, God, you would capture their heart. Lord, they've been weighed down with so many things in their life and they know it right now. I pray, God, that you would just release them from that. I know that's your desire. Free them up, Lord. Brothers and sisters, even as we're praying right now, I, I just need to throw this out. For those of you who are here who might not know Jesus and you know that in your heart you haven't accepted Him in your life, Right now is the time for you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you and lead you in a prayer of salvation to say, come into my life right now. Is there anyone here this morning that is so bogged down with sin that, that, that they're being weighed down in their life and they need to be free? Any of you, don't be embarrassed. Just raise your hand so I can see it and I'll just lead you in a short little prayer. Don't let this time pass you by. It's not a game. Anybody. Father, with that, Lord, we just we just pray that, God, you would just truly do a work in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. And, Lord, if they're, again, if, if, if somebody was supposed to and they didn't, Lord, and the enemy had just weighed them down so heavily that they just couldn't, please, God, please free them. Lord, help my brothers and sisters right now to walk that faith, to walk that walk in their lives, Lord God, to look unto you for everything. Bless them, I ask. Go with them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, guys.